morning, everyone. I'd like, uh, can I get security to uh, take care of the band of hoodlums in the back of the room there? So that looks like that's just trouble brewing. I can see it. That's, that's trouble brewing in that, that whole band of hoodlums in the back of the room. Look at them. They're already starting wars and fights. Sarah always just smiles and walks away. She's just so innocent, but I, I don't care. I'm okay. Yeah, I'm going to, believe me, I'll tell my wife. All right, guys, how are you? Is everybody good? Okay. Christmas have a little bit of a, like, a letdown effect. You guys seem kind of, you know, subdued today. Tired? Anybody Tired? The worship team and I decided this morning we were universally tired. It's good, though. It's good tired. It's a good time. No. I want to just say I, uh, I, I got some good feedback on the uh, message last week. I appreciate that. I always like the, the feedback, especially, though, I, it seems as though people really enjoyed Vineyard Vince. And so uh, keeping that in mind, if you weren't here, you can listen to the audio. There's no video. You won't really get the full effect of Vineyard Vince on audio, but you'll at least kind of be able to figure out a little bit what was going on with him. But because I got so much positive feedback, I've kept him around. He's, he's in my office right now, uh, deep in meditation and study. So periodically, every now and then, Vince may reappear. He'll come back and he'll share a little bit with us and uh, help us out for, for future messages. So just hang on to that. Um, I want to start this morning, uh, if you would, does anybody bring a Bible and actually open it and read it? Anybody? Okay, a couple of you. Those that do, two, the three souls over here, uh, the rest of them, it'll, I know, I, I always, it's a, it's a catch-22. I don't know if I should put this, the, the text up or not, because I feel like if I put them up, that encourages you to not bring your Bibles, but whatever. Hello? You bring your phone? Yeah, but I never know. I always think you're texting. You're not looking at the Scripture. You're just, I'll never know. I know. Okay, here we go. So turn with me, if you have a Bible, to the Gospel of John, chapter 13. And I'm going to just look at a few verses there really quickly. This is uh, 1321, and I'm reading from, I'm breaking tradition this morning. I'm reading from the New American Standard, uh, and I will explain why in a bit. When Jesus had said this, and he had begun to indicate to them a little bit that that kind of sort of in a veiled way that he was going to be betrayed, he became troubled in spirit and testified and said, truly, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. The disciples began looking at one another at a loss to know of which one he was speaking. There was reclining on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. So Simon Peter gestured to him and said to him, Tell us who it is of whom he is speaking. He, leaning back thus on Jesus' bosom, said to him, Lord, who is it? So the, uh, the scene here obviously is the Last Supper. And uh, the disciples are gathered around with Jesus, sharing a meal as they had done so many times before. Uh, And and really, the the sharing of a meal together is is an intimate experience. And even even more so, I think, 
that in our culture today, uh, because of the configuration, they would have been at a kind of a U-shaped table, which would be very low to the ground. And some of the paintings, you know, uh, of the, the Last Supper are actually inaccurate because they show them sitting at the table. But they would not have been sitting at the table at all. They would have been, they, they said, reclining at table. They would have been literally laying down sort of... Um, well, I could I could demonstrate this, I guess. I might need a volunteer, though. Can I have a volunteer? No, I think... I, I'm not, yeah, let me get back up. Brogan, you can help me. Yeah, I, come here. So, so they would have been reclining at tables, something like this. Right here, buddy. Right in front of me. Come on, right here. Right here. Facing that way. Head right here. So, this would have been somewhat the... Uh, the relationship at the table. <laughs> what did you just distrust? Uh, this is, this would have been more how they would have been at the table. Okay, thank you. That's, that, that's good. Now you have to get up and help me get up. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, you can clap for that if you want. Uh, just you clap that I got up. That's actually I could do. I have to do the rest of the message down there. Um, the point of that is that they would have been in a in a, in a very close. Proximity. I love John's confidence here. John is writing about himself, and he refers to himself as the one that Jesus loved. I, I love that. And, and, and I say that kind of half-joking, but half-not, because I think we should all have that confidence. I'm the one that Jesus loves. You know, that's a good deal. John was, in fact, the closest. He would have been next to Jesus. So when he begins to talk about this, Peter, who was probably next to John, looks at John and says, hey, ask him who it is. And so John then, it says, leans back into the bosom of Jesus. He would have had his head on Jesus' chest and been close enough to him to whisper and say, who is it, Lord? So uh, what possible reason could I have for sharing that with you this morning? Uh, Here's the reason. It's really for literary context is why I shared that verse with you. Because uh, earlier in John chapter 1, John says, No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten God, the Son, who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained Him. And so the, the word that John uses here for Jesus' proximity to the Father is illustrated at the Last Supper when John had that same proximity to Jesus. Uh, Jesus was in the bosom of the Father. He was that close to him. Now, uh, I, I told you I was reading New American Standard. Most of you that are here very often know that I'm a, a big fan of the NIV. But uh, at, at this particular text, this verse, the NIV misses the boat. The NIV misses the boat completely just for... Uh, the sake of reference. The NIV says there, no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is Himself God and is at the Father's side has made Him known. Now, if you give someone at your side, that's a good thing, right? We say that's kind of a phrase. I got, you know, this, this person's by my side. They're with me. They're, we're together. They're a friend. Um, and so that's a positive thing. But to be at someone's side is not the same as to be in the bosom of. It's not, you, when you're at someone's side, you don't feel 
Their chests rise and fall when they're breathing. When you're at someone's side, you don't hear their heart beating. Jesus was in the bosom of the Father. And it it was there in that proximity, that intimacy, that closeness that Jesus makes the Father known. Jesus is able to reveal the Father and explain the Father to us. He was able to declare who the Father was because he knew him that well, he was that close to him. So as we, uh, we launch into a, we're, we're starting a new series this morning on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I want to encourage you, and this is kind of the title of today's message is Lean In and Listen. Lean in and listen. I want to encourage you to lean in and listen. My prayer, I, I, I actually, I sent a, text out earlier in the week to a bunch of our prayer warriors and asked them to pray for me in prep, not because I didn't know what to say, but because I actually had so much information. I I was on information overload. I thought, I need help dividing this out and paring this down. Um, My prayer, as I've been preparing, not only for today, but for the series, is that this would not be just informational, but it would really be transformational that we would not only learn about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, but we would actually draw nearer to God in our experience with the Holy Spirit. One of the primary vineyard values is kingdom theology and practice, and I love that. It's not just that we hold a kingdom theology, it's that we want that theology to be put into practice. It's not our, our... understanding of God, our experience with God is never, ever something that we simply believe in. It's something that we believe in that we might live it out. And that's really, really been my prayer. My prayer is that for the, during this series, that the kingdom would literally come. John Wesley said the most beautiful thing. Uh, I love Wesley's journal. He talks about his kind of initial experience with the Holy Spirit. And he says, my heart was strangely warmed. And that's my prayer for us during this series, that our hearts would be strangely warmed. So let's, uh, let's pray, and then we're going to get into uh, the gifts of the Spirit. Father, uh, we just open our hearts to you today. I ask that you would, in fact, uh, enlighten the eyes of our hearts, that you would breathe life upon us, and that we would hear and see and feel and know you and your kingdom and your spirit in, in a new and a fresh and a deeper way uh, today and moving forward in your name. Amen. So here's my uh, here's my presupposition this morning. My presupposition today is that as Jesus revealed the Father, and we just looked at that, that in that same way, the Holy uh, that the Holy Spirit will reveal Jesus to us. That we come to know more of who Jesus is through the presence of the Spirit. Jesus says, He, uh, my parentheses, the Spirit of truth, will glorify me because it is from me that He will receive what He will make known to you. So Jesus shares Himself with the Spirit there in that same proximity that Jesus and the Father were, and He will then make it known to us. All that belongs to the Father is mine, from the Father to Jesus. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me, make known to you. Father reveals himself to Jesus, Jesus to the Spirit. The Spirit then reveals Jesus to us. In John 16, he also says, The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, 
whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And I do like the NIV here. Uh, when he says he will make known to you, that is the same verb, same word actually, as in John 1 where the, Jesus made the Father known to us. So that process is the same. The, um, here's, what, here's what I'm hoping to do this morning. I, I want to tell you where I want to go in this series, uh, and then I'm going to give you one, one little point of illustration uh, to kind of kick the thing off of where I want to go. I, I was, I think over the past year, really, um, there's been a resurgence of spiritual life in our church. And in the last several months, as I, I kind of I had a couple series I was doing, and I'm always praying and kind of seeking God, what's next? What, what, what am I should be teaching on? And I, I felt there's this resurgence of the Spirit. There's, you know, more people were giving words from the front. More people were praying for healing and other things. And uh, I realized it had actually been a long time. I don't know how long, several years since I had taught on the gifts of the Spirit. So I was contemplating that and considering that already. Uh, and then a few weeks ago, our friend Ravi visited. And during that time, I realized that, you know, when prophecy and the whole prophetic realm uh, can be confusing and that we needed some, some biblical clarification and biblical understanding on that. So I started preparing the series. Uh, you know, I started reading uh, some spiritual gifts seminar notes I had and a couple books I'd had. And then I ordered uh, a, f- a friend of mine recommended a couple books that I had not read before. So I ordered two new books on the Holy Spirit, started reading, and, and then the, this thing happened, and I don't even know. I mean, it was just like, it just blew up on me. And I, I love that. I love when God does that. When you have a topic, something that you think you know, and God just says, ah, you know nothing. Uh, and I think I know this. I thought I had the gifts of the Spirit, the work of the Spirit down. God said, you know nothing. <laughs> he said it very kindly. But it was like, there's so much more. I, there's so much more. And that I love that. The beauty of God to me, the beauty of the Word, the beauty of the Spirit is that it's always new, it's always fresh. We never, ever have this all figured out. And I was humbled. <laughs> I don't have this all figured out. So I title our series title is Unwrapped. And we're going to unwrap the gifts of the Spirit. Gifts of the Spirit in the 21st century church. How do these things work? How does some... These experiences that the disciples had in the first century, how do those things function and work today? That's what we're hoping to look at over the next few weeks. You know, to be honest, the work of the Spirit in our lives is a, is a kind of a mysterious subject, isn't it? I, I mean, you know, the Holy Spirit is sort of the mystery member of the Trinity. Father and Son, there's this at least sense of personification. There's an identity. We can say the Son, the Father. We can sort of conjure some sort of image of what they look like. Uh, We have, you know, again, a personification, sort of the characteristics and traits of them. But the Spirit is Spirit. It's, It's a little more vague. It's a little more mysterious. It's a little less tangible. I think, too, I don't know who the, uh, the rocket scientist was that translated the, the King James and decided to call him the Holy Ghost. But I don't think that helped, to be honest. Uh, you know, I mean, a ghost generally is something people are afraid of, right? You don't seek after a ghost. You try to get away from a ghost. You call who? Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters not ghosts. There's some, there's a show. There's some 
show now, ghost seekers or something, but they're nuts. Ghostbusters, you want to get away from a ghost. So I don't think calling the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost was helpful at all. But, you know, in the end of the day, the, 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 the work of the Spirit is mysterious. It's, it's a little hard to get a hold of. It's also a bit of a controversial subject. Um, it, maybe not as much, but it's still kind of. There, there is in the church today a wide spectrum of beliefs. Um, and, and as you know, I mean, that's the way it is in the church, right? We, no, nobody and no Christians agree on anything. Um, God bless them all. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm joking, but it, it's reality. Um, spirit is probably one of the more divisive or controversial issues even today. There are extreme pol- polar polarization kind of viewpoints. One extreme would be the belief of the gift. The, the belief in the gifts uh, have passed away at the end of the apostolic age. That the apostles used the gifts of the Spirit to verify who Jesus was. Once that was accomplished, we no longer need those things. So the, the, the school of thought there is that God doesn't speak today. God doesn't heal today. The gifts of the Spirit are not for today. Uh, we, have the, we have the Bible. That is the Word of God, and we don't need any other words. And so, therefore, those things no longer exist. That is a diminishing so, sort of contingency in the church today. It's, it's growing smaller and smaller all the time. People that adhere to that. But there are still a few very vocal proponents of that sort of position out there uh, uh, that remind us from time to time that, that they're there. On the other end of the spectrum would be what would be called the Pentecostal or charismatic uh, sort of wing of the church. And I think it's fair to say this, that is the fastest growing segment of the church in the world today. Uh, that's true in the United States, but it's, it's much more true outside the United States. Latin America, Africa, frankly, anywhere... Any developing country in the world today, here's what I have found. This is, this is my unqualified observation, is that when people need God, uh, the Spirit moves. When people have nothing else to depend upon except God, the Spirit moves. I think people say, why don't we see these things in our church? I think because we don't depend on God enough. We depend on ourselves too much. And so we don't see those things. That's just that. But that contingent of the church is not only the fastest growing part of the church in the world today. I, I think it's also fair to say it's the, it's the part of the church that we here are the most closely associated with. Most people would consider the vineyard to be a charismatic church. Uh, that name, charismatic, comes from the Greek word for those gifts of the Spirit, the supernatural gifts of the Spirit that are listed in 1 Corinthians. The Greek word there is charismata, and so the charismatic church is the part of the church that adheres to practices, believes in those gifts of the Spirit. Um, As much as, personally, I don't care for labels and titles and divisions and all that, the the truth is they're there, you know, and they're helpful to some degree in terms of just identification. We can can identify with with that. Um, So, so again, that part of the church that we're a part of would... Uh, maintain that the gifts are are valid today, that they, that God does speak today, that God does heal today, uh, that God moves among His people in miraculous ways today, uh, and, and uh, here I mean this is a, one of the books I'm reading now is called Flame of Love by a guy named Clark Pinnock. He says more than churches full of people, God wants and the world needs. Uh, and the parentheses are his, not mine. And the world needs people full of the Spirit. I would agree. 
Now, now there are also in that camp those people that maintain that the gifts of the Spirit are essential to the point that they would say that if you don't practice the gifts of the Spirit, you don't have the Holy Spirit. So one sort of, you know, kind of classic uh, position would be if you don't speak in tongues, that's the initial evidence of the Holy Spirit. You're not filled with the Holy Spirit if you don't speak in tongues. That's been verbalized for, for many, many years. Recent history, more implied, less explicit, but nonetheless out there, is this notion that uh, if I don't prophesy, if I don't speak in tongues, if I don't pray for healing, if I don't have some sort of an ecstatic experience where I shake or fall down or something to that effect, that I'm not as spiritual as you. I am, in fact, it's kind of, you're, you're sort of second-class Christian. Uh, here, here's what I want to say in regards to that. And I want you to hear me on this because... This is really where we're going in this series. I, I believe that that position is as narrow and as shallow as the fundamentalist position that would say that the gifts don't exist. What I want us to see, what I hope we see over the next few weeks and really probably months, is that the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of, of, of followers of Christ, in the, in the lives of His church today, is so much greater, so much bigger than that. While I believe and, and fully embrace the gifts of the Spirit and those experiences, and I believe that they're valid and they're good and they're helpful, I think to limit the work of the Spirit to those things is to put God in a box. And I, and I, I think that the portions of the Pentecostal tradition who have done that have drawn a box around God. So this is what the Spirit does. And, and what I want to say to you is, no. The Spirit of God does so much more than that. The work of the Spirit in our lives is so much greater than that. The Holy Spirit has a, if I can use a term, cosmic ministry that is so much bigger than speaking in tongues or falling over or prophesying. Now, I promise we will talk about those things. We will, in the weeks to come, we will look at all of the charismatic gifts of the Spirit in depth, and we will talk about them and how they work and how they operate. But before we get there, I think we have to establish first that the work of the Spirit is bigger than that, and I want to break out of the box. Okay, I want to break out of the box, and I want to do that this morning. Uh, I want to begin by talking about the work of the Spirit in creation. Okay, Hang with me. You're going to like this. You are. You're going to like this. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And who? The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. I love that. I tell you, I love the drama of creation. I don't mean drama like drama queen. I mean drama. There's drama in creation. I just picture in my mind this undefinable mass, this cosmic soup. Everything's just swirling and whirling. And the Spirit of God, it says, is moving, hovering, brooding like a, like a mother hen over her chickens above this mass. It's just all happening. It's swirling. There's nothing there. And then God speaks. 
And God says, let there be light. And suddenly there's light. And man, I just think, unbelievable. And there became light. He separated light. God, the Spirit of God, hovering over this mass, and he separates light and dark. He separates the heaven from the waters. He he creates and forms dry land. He puts trees and shrubs. I'm a gardener. I, 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 I love horticulture. I love plants and flowers. And I look at the diversity, and I go, oh, my God. so good. It's so good. And he created it all. And then there was fish and animals and birds and they all just, it just one by one, these things happened and it's amazing and it's profound and it's unreal. And then the crown of creation, God says, let us make mankind in our image. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. At the end of all this creation, God says, now uh, I've done all this. It's amazing. It's beautiful. I'm going to make something in my image. Uh, chapter 2 gives us a little more insight into how this happened. The Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Uh, a few weeks ago, some of you will remember a uh, little Rennie McVicker who prophesies fairly regularly in a very cute manner uh, came up and had a word for us about some movie. But in the movie, it was the breath was the spirit. And I, I mentioned at the time, I go, I don't think you know this, but in Hebrew, the word for breath and the spirit are the same word. The spirit is the breath. And when God breathed the spirit into Adam and Eve. He literally breathed life. It's the breath of life. The creative force of God that brings life into us is the Spirit of God. It's amazing. It's amazing. The Spirit was the life. Now, go with me back to the Gospel of John for a minute. And with that, He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus uh, This is on Easter. Resurrection happens later in the day. The disciples go. I love this. They lock themselves in a room because they're afraid of persecution. So the locked door could keep anybody that might be after them out, except Jesus. The locked door uh, didn't seem to be an issue for him. He comes in and he says, hey, peace be with you, first of all, which is nice. Uh, Don't worry. It's just me. Here I am. Shows him his hands, his side. And then what does he do? He breathes the spirit of life on them. Same spirit that God breathed into Adam and Eve, Jesus breathed into his disciples and brought them life. The work of the Spirit of God in creation, my friends, is unbelievable. I want to give you one more little, tiny little note on God's, the work of the Spirit in creation in us. So, What does this mean to me today? Here's what I want to say. God never stops creating. God never stops creating. The work of creation didn't end in six days. It goes on today. The Spirit of God is still creating, and He's still creating in us. And you might say, well, hey, 
I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm alive, I'm here, I have life, the Spirit's in me, I'm a Christian, I speak in tongues, I prophesy, I pray for the sick. Uh, it's, it's all good. I've got the Spirit. I don't know if you remember back uh, just a few weeks ago, we did the backstory leading up to the birth of Jesus. So it was our, sort of our Christmas series. And you remember we talked about Bathsheba being in the line, Jesus' lineage. And that Jesus was actually the result of the sin between David and Bathsheba, ultimately. Um, in the aftermath of that story, of course, David initially tried to cover his sin up and hide it. But he was confronted prophetically by Nathan the prophet, and then ultimately he confessed and repented and came clean of that. And then later, uh, later on, in, in the quiet place, uh, in, in his, his prayer closet or wherever David went to write worship songs, he writes this, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant a willing spirit to sustain me. And yeah, just in case you're wondering, that word created me a clean heart is the exact same word that is used in Genesis 1 when God created the heavens and the earth. So look, here's the point. The point is that God didn't clean David's heart up a little bit. God didn't spray some 409 and wipe it down. He didn't put it in the dishwasher. God breathed the spirit of life onto David and created an entirely new heart in him. And God's work of creation, the Spirit's work of creation in our lives never ends. It never ends. It's ongoing. He's creating in us all the time. Let's, uh, let's stand. I want to close with some ministry time. I'm going to invite our... Uh, ministry team folks to come on to the sides of the room or over here where there's some some room and we just like to provide opportunity for prayer at the end of the service and um, our policies you know you can come up for prayer for anything you want whatever you need today but I would especially like to just encourage you that um, God's spirit is working in you today whether you recognize it or not his spirit is working in you today some of you do recognize it you're aware of it and if that's the case I would, I would really encourage you to come and just ask somebody to pray with you. Hey, pray with me. God's doing something in my life, whatever it is. And, and just pray that God would bless it and increase it and do it more. If you're not aware, I'm going to pray that God would begin to make you aware right now and ask him to do that.